You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Fantastic. Thank you, pastors. You got good pastors, right? Do you think so? Yeah? We've only known each other a short time, but man, we've just clicked. And I totally sympathise with your brother trying to get that stag head in your house. Let me give you a little hint. It ain't gonna happen. (laughs) Trust me, I've been there, done that. And um, Pastor, they've just been so kind to me. And, um, you know, preaching in the first service and just feeling uh, the faith that you have in this church. Miracles can happen in this environment, uh, which is really good. So uh, thank you, Pastor Braden and Leanne. And also your, your campus pastors aren't too bad neither. I'm getting to know them. <laughs> Cody and Stacy, great pastors. I always wanted a name like Cody. That's so cool, man. That's so cowboy. <laughs> Cody. Gordon's okay. But Cody's awesome. Like Pastor was saying, I'm from Queensland, Australia. And when you think about Australia, you've got to tip it upside down. So, because it's the Southern Hemisphere. So as you have the North and you have places like New York and Chicago, and in the South, you have places like Texas and Alabama and Louisiana, etc. Well, it's the opposite in Australia. So in the South, we have cities like Sydney that's still like New York. I don't want to offend any New York people here, but um, but where I come from in Queensland, uh, we're we're sort of north, which is like Texas. And I've been out here quite a while uh, visiting and um, been out in a few uh, leases and so forth. The fauna and flora are pretty similar. As a matter of fact, your climate, everything's very similar. So like you've got Houston here that's tropical, you've got alligators and snakes and all that and swamps. Well, in the north of Queensland, we've got places like Darwin and we've got uh, crocodiles and big snakes. Everything's trying to kill you there. And uh, it's awesome. And even just south of where we live is a town called Texas. And it's one of the uh, cattle country towns. That's true, people don't know that, but that's just south of Brisbane, just sort of southwest down by the border, Texas. Is that good? So I'm loving it. It's really good being here. And uh, first time in Midland. You Midlandites look pretty good. And uh, really loving it. Who's native to Midland? Who's, Who's from here? Look at all those people. Who were fortunate enough to migrate here? That's right, you're blessed, man. I love your church, love your building. Um, Very similar, we've been talking and sharing with your pastors. And um, I've been doing this for a lot of years and I'll tell you, you can walk into a church and you can know by the building what people think of God. So I went to a church once to preach and I pulled up in the car park, weeds everywhere. This is a true story. And, and the building had weeds growing up the wall and it had a leak. 
they fixed it, but they didn't paint the wall. And you know, when you get a wall, a plastered wall, it's got mould all over it. And then I went inside and the carpet tore in, in, the, in the main thing there and they used duct tape to cover it up. So I was the guest speaker, but I got, oh, I wasn't gonna preach on nothing. I'm gonna take up an offering for the carpet. And the pastor died a thousand deaths. He's sitting in the front row going, like a deer in headlights, you know. And he didn't think people wanted to give. But you see, people don't wanna give to a mouldy wall. People are gonna give to excellence. People wanna be proud of where their home, this is your spiritual home. You're like it with your home, right? It's where you live, you wanna be proud of it. You know, you wanna honour God with your property. And, and, And it's the same with your church. So good on you. Good on you people, you're awesome. Keep doing it, right? Keep planting churches and you're gonna see God do incredible things. So, you know, Pastor said to me, you just do your gift. So what I find is if I do my gift, what God's given me, then things happen. Is that fair enough? So we're gonna pray for some people and then I'm gonna preach a bit and then we'll pray for some more people and then I'm gonna adios out of here. I'm, I'm gonna get out. So I gotta go back to um, San Angelo and then preach this week. And then I'm going on to um, Dallas preaching there. And then I'm gonna do Thanksgiving with some Kiwi friends who have lived in Nashville for like 35 years. And I've got a feeling they're gonna go the whole nine yards with that one. Now, I just love Thanksgiving. When I first came to America, I couldn't understand why y'all make pumpkin pie as a dessert. Because in New Zealand, Australia, pumpkin's a vegetable. You eat it with potatoes and meat. And my friend said, no, no, taste it. Taste it, Sam I am. You'll like green eggs and ham. And I said, no, I can't eat it. It's, it's a vegetable. You put sugar in a vegetable, it's wrong. He said, no, you'll like it on a train. You'll like it with a goat. You'll like it in a house. You'll like it, Sam I am. And one day I tasted it. Oh my Lord. It was so good. It made you want to slap your mama. I'll tell you. I I just got it. Now I've got friends, I'm going for Thanksgiving. They make extra pumpkin pie because I eat the whole lot. And then when I go home, my wife puts me on a diet. Start eating like a rabbit and growing buck teeth. And saying, yeah, what's up, doc? But anyway, it's healthy, right? It's all good for you. You know, when I prepare for meetings, I get thoughts and I think about things to pray for. And I'm just gonna do that, is that okay? I was thinking of a person, you've, you've had an operation on your forearm, on there, and it tingles. So it's not very medical, right? But I've got a doctor of theology, not a doctor of medicine, so, but it tingles. That's the way I can describe it, okay? I wanna pray for someone else and your hip, your joint in your hip clicks and it's loose. You're getting physio for it. And you need, you need something there, a bit of healing in there, okay? I also wanna pray, f- there's probably several people, you have what I would call lumps on some of your organs, like on your kidneys, might be in your lungs and your throat, lumps, okay? Pray for you. And I wanna pray for something that I've prayed everywhere and I did this in the first service and people came forward for it. I wanna pray for people that have what I call chemical imbalance. 
So you might have low iron or high iron. You might have low thyroid or high thyroid. And I asked my doctor about this. I've prayed for so many people, Pastor. In the end, I asked my doctor. I said, why are so many people like this? He said, because most people that have chemical imbalance in their body, it's undiagnosed. So they just put up with it and it grows. But actually it needs treatment, it needs healing. And I believe there'll be people here today and you can get healed from that. Does that sound good? I wanna also pray for people that have got pain. Today as I woke, I felt the Lord say to me, pray for people that have got pain in their body. That could be anything from migraines, it could be bones, arthritis, it could be joint pain. Some of you can't even go to sleep without medication. Praise God for medication. Medication's good, it will help you. But I just believe we can be healed, we can live in wholeness. So Jesus died for two things. He died for your healing, but He also died for your wholeness. Remember the woman that came to Him in Mark chapter five, and she got healed, but Jesus didn't say, wow, you got healed. He said, your faith has made you whole. God wants us to be whole, not just healed. So healing is when something is wrong in our body and it gets put right by the power of God. Wholeness is when we're free totally, body, soul, and spirit. Is there anybody with any of these needs or any other needs? Put your hand up, let me see. Yeah, look at this all over the place here. Yeah, how about if we all stand together, we just turn this into a prayer meeting for a few minutes, is that okay? And church, I want you to participate. And if you see someone come out here that you know, begin to pray for them. Say, God, touch my friend, I'm agreeing. Because you know the Bible says if two or three agree. Do you know, I talk to Christians, they think that's all we have, two or three. That's not what it means. It's a quorum. Do you know what a quorum is? To have a meeting, a legal meeting, you have to have a quorum. You've got to have so many members there and you can have a meeting. Well. What the Bible's saying is if you get two or three people agreeing, miracles can happen. But his idea isn't just get two or three together. Let me ask you a question. What if two, what about 20 or 30 agreed? What if two or 300 agreed? What if two or 3,000 could agree together in unity? Friends, we can move mountains. Let's not settle just for the minimum. Let's go for the maximum to believe God this morning. If you raised your hand, get out of your seat and come. And I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna lead you in prayer. Just come. I take time with this because it's so important. You feeling okay? No, bit of pain. Do you have pain, do you? Wow, wow. Come on, we're just gonna wait for them. Look at these people coming, good people. Um, just move along and get a space. Yeah. Let me say some you to my you friends. Listen, this is what I've discovered. You don't get healed in your body first. You get healed in your faith and you give it to your body. What what I found with myself, I've been there. 
I'm trying to focus and get myself healed in my body and I'm looking at the pain. I said, God, heal the pain. And I'm looking at my body. See, that's not faith, that's hope. What faith does, even though I'm in pain, I look away to the promise of God. And I declare that the promise of God is my possession. Now the Bible says, He died for our sins on the tree, by whose stripes you were healed. But like my Southern preacher friend says, if the Bible says I were healed, then I is healed. We've got, to leave, we've got to walk into our healing and our faith and leave the healing to God. Because here's what I've discovered. When I'm trying to get healed, my anxiety levels are growing. I've discovered this, faith can't flourish in anxiety. But when we turn our cares and our concerns over to the Lord and claim the promise of God, you'll find your anxiety levels will come down because it's in His hands and your faith level will rise. Even though you've still got pain, you'll be saying, I got the healing, man. It's only a matter of time. Here's the second thing I've learned. God heals in three ways. He either heals you in it with a miracle. Who likes a miracle? Me. When I've got pain, I don't wanna hear about getting healed next week. I want it now, right? And God can heal like that. The second way that He heals is through. He gives us a series of miracles. As we do the possible, He does the impossible. So you might have pain, so you go to the doctor and you get some medication, but you're not believing in the doctor. <laughs> you're believing in your Lord. You're still looking for your healing. And as you take steps of faith and you do the possible, God begins to heal you. I've had that happen to me. I've been healed over like a six month period. Amazing, isn't it? And the third way God heals is He heals us out of it. We die. We get graduated to heaven. Because it says in Revelation in heaven, there's no more pain, no more sickness, no more, no more tears. He shall wipe them all away from our eyes. But you see, we human beings, we look at death as the end. It's not the end, it's our healing. I can't wait to get some of my old bones sorted out when I go to heaven. <laughs> I was getting out of the stand the other day with brother and I got cramp in my leg. He had to get out and help me. Come down, pastor. So, oh man, there's a day coming when God will take us out. So who decides? Me? No. You? No, the Lord. Our job is not to heal ourselves or tell God what to do. Our job is to believe the promise of God. I want you to put your hand on your heart and raise your hand to the Lord. Church, will you pray with us and believe God for our friends? I want you to pray this out loud. Would you pray this out loud? Say, Lord Jesus, thank You for dying for me on the cross. Thank You for taking my sickness and my pain. And just as You took my sins and took them away, I now give You my pain, and my sickness, and I boldly declare by faith, by your stripes, I 
am healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank Him. Will you thank Him? Thank Him by faith. Say, Lord, I'm thanking You. Now, this is how it's gonna happen. Some of you are getting healed right now. You might even feel it in your body. And when you go to sit down, you go, wow, I think something's happened to me. Others, you'll feel nothing. You just go and sit down and you go about your business and you might be healed today, tonight, tomorrow. I, I don't know. I can't heal you. You can't heal you. Only the Lord. But He responds to faith. Because if He responded to need, everyone would be healed automatically. So it's not about need, it's about faith. So when you go and sit down, I don't want you to do one thing and I want you to do another thing. When you go and sit down, don't check it out. Did that work? See, you're going back to your body. Did you see that? You're going back to your pain and that's not faith. When you go sit down, just in your mind through the service, say, thank you, Jesus. I receive your healing. I trust you that you're gonna do it the way you wanna do it and the time that you wanna do it. And you know what you'll find? You'll find all that worry and anxiety will just, wow. I've seen it happen so many times in my own life. We prayed for people. People come back and tell me, I, just the other day, a lady had a smashed shoulder, smash. She was in a car accident, multiple operations. And I called it out by word of knowledge and we prayed just like this, nothing special. It took her six months, but her doctors said, you're probably gonna be on painkillers for the rest of your life. She said to me with tears in her eyes, she said, Pastor, I could just feel just about every day it was getting better. And she said, look at it. And she went like this. That was in San Angelo. I prayed for her last year and it took her about six months. So don't worry about how it happens or when it happens, stay in faith. Does this help you? I hope this helps you. Why don't you go and be seated and uh, we're gonna share the message. Thank you, church, you're so awesome. I've got a few product here very quickly. I'm nearly sold out, okay? The, they have gone in the, those first service people, man, they're a bit greedy. They just bought everything, you know. So what we're gonna do is, I'll tell you what they are. And there was limited copies there. There are some copies. But if you want, they're gonna take orders from you. You can order and I'll get a shipment sent here in the next few weeks, okay? Um, so that can happen. So here's one of my first books here. I like this one. It's um, Yes, Holy Spirit. That's one of my oldest books. I was telling the first service, so many Christians say, but Holy Spirit. So I say, if you're saying but, get a buttectomy. Anyway, so yes. So yes, Holy Spirit, not oh, oh, but what if this happens? And no, no, lean into the Holy Spirit. That's a, a great book, easy to read. This one here, my two leadership books on leading in different levels. God of Miracles. This one's hot. I have literally had people read this and say, I read it and prayed the prayer at the back. I think there's a prayer at the back. And they said, God touched me where I was. Amazing, isn't it? God of miracles. Is that one there? This one's a prayer book. You can pray, for, pray through the 15 Psalms of Ascent. So it's a devotional book. This one here, take someone with you. Now, please don't get this or read it if you're afraid of danger. 
This is a very dangerous book. So this is not about getting a badge. This is about everyone being a leader. Taking someone with you. Wow, that's so powerful. Taking someone with you. This one here, the church, gate of heaven, that's all about the local church, what it is. There's a whole lot of stuff in there. And today I've been preaching in the first service and this service some of the ideas and concepts in this book, Normal Christian. Do I have any normal Christians in the house? Give me a wave. Are you sure? I don't know. What's normal? I hear so many opinions and things. What's normal? Well, let me tell you what's normal. The Word of God. What the Word of God says we are and who we are and what we have, that's normal. What you feel or what someone else gives advice on, even a Christian, that's not necessarily normal. What's normal is what God has provided in Christ on the cross and has written about it here in black and white so we can all understand it. The Bible, the Holy Scriptures are our eternal normal. So Paul sort of talked about this. Do you know, even in the early church, there were abnormal Christians. So, so what we have is we have Paul's three men. He has three men and you can read it. It'll come up on the screen, 1 Corinthians chapter two. I won't read it for time, but he starts to talk about three kinds of people and he takes three men and he, he says, these are the three that we can be like. The first one, is the natural man. And he talks about the natural man who was the unregenerated, non-born again person. They've never experienced God. And Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 2 that this kind of person doesn't receive the things of God because the foolishness to him, he can't know them, they're spiritually discerned. Then you find the next person is the spiritual person. He spends a lot of time talking about the spiritual person. And the, the spiritual person comes from a Greek word, pneumatikos, and it literally means belonging to the divine spirit of God in the Holy Spirit. It is one who is filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So that's the spiritual man or person. Then he talks about the third person, the carnal man. If you go into chapter three, he rebukes the Corinthians and he said, I couldn't speak to you as mature Christians. I had to speak to you as babies because you're still fighting one another and you're, you've got all your lust are driving your life and all your, your passions are driving your life. You're no longer under the control of the Spirit. So you have the natural man then who's outside of Christ. You have the spiritual man who's the normal Christian and you have the carnal Christian who's the abnormal Christian. Let me, let me take you on a journey and talk about it, shall we? So, so, why the carnal Christian? Have you read chapter six, seven, and eight in the book of Romans? Chapter six is awesome. It describes the new birth. It says, therefore, we are crucified with Christ, we're buried with Christ, and we're raised to walk in newness of life. He says, we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're now servants of righteousness. Oh, you read it, it's, it's an incredible chapter. Then it ends at the end there, and it goes into chapter seven, it goes, 
but I'm carnal, sold under sin. I want to do good, but I don't do it. And I hate doing that bad thing, but I do it. And he gets to the end of the chapter and he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Chapter six and chapter seven alike. They they just don't fit. And then you go into chapter eight and it's almost like chapter six continues. And it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. And in that chapter, he lists 41, I think, let me give you the right number, 43 descriptions of a spiritual person. So then I discovered chapter seven's not supposed to be in the Bible. I'm playing with your minds here, people. It's in there because not everyone goes from chapter six to chapter eight. Or some people get saved and go to chapter eight and they live for Christ for a while, but then their passions come back and their feelings and what they believe and they slip back, but they don't go back to chapter six, they go to chapter seven. And they just live their whole life. I don't wanna do this bad thing, but I do it. I wanna do this good thing, but I can't do it. See, what's, what's the problem with the carnal man or the carnal person? This Christian has slipped, their, if you like, in their faith and they're no longer drawing on the power of God. Whereas in chapter eight, this dude's no condemnation. He's spiritually minded. He's led by the Spirit. He's more than a conqueror. That's what normal Christianity is. So I would suggest you, if you're interested, when you get your Bible, maybe go home this afternoon, sit down and read Romans chapter six and jump straight to Romans chapter eight and you'll find it's consistent. Then go back and read chapter seven. It's like, wow, what's going on with this dude? Listen, friends, living in chapter seven is a world of misery and pain because a person who's carnal knows what's right. They've had revelation of God, but they've slipped back. So let's talk about the spiritual person. How are we to live? We're born again. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we live? Well, In Corinthians and in chapter eight of Romans, Paul outlines over 40, nearly 50 characteristics or things that characterize a spiritual person. I haven't got time to do it. Let me give you about two or three in the time that I've got. Number one, you ready to go? A spiritual person lives internal in the spirit. Let me say it again. The spiritual person lives internal in the spirit. Both the natural man and the carnal man are being affected by the environment, by other people. And they're constantly battling. Whereas a spiritual person, they live internal in the spirit. They're always looking internally to what the spirit of God is saying and what the Bible is saying. This is what Paul said. He said, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, 
neither is circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision of the heart and the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not from man, but from God. So the spiritual person is not living in the five senses outwardly in the flesh. He is living inwardly by faith in the spirit, by what the word of God says and what the Holy Spirit reveals. Secondly, the spiritual person lives in the now of faith. I talked a bit about it in the context of healing. But the Bible declares in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is. When we read the Bible, we've got to read it and understand what it's saying. Look what it says. Now faith is. Now and is are present continuous words. Faith isn't, I'll do it tomorrow. Faith is now in the Spirit. Not in the future, hoping God will act and do something. Not looking in the past, resting on what He did do. But in the now, moving out in faith in the present, in obedience to the Holy Spirit's leading. This is called walking by faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance and evidence. So even with our healing, you can see I was saying to people, don't focus on your pain. That's not your evidence. To live by faith, your evidence is the promise of God by faith. To live by faith now in the Spirit. The spiritual person simply accepts by faith what Christ has already provided in His Word. That's how faith operates. And he moves out in faith, thinking, speaking, and acting on the Word of God, irrespective of his feelings or the facts. And when we planted our church, we left our church behind, we had no support, and we just migrated to New Australia. I remember turning up, we just had our six suitcases and our four kids. And we rented a hall and we started to preach. And gradually people started to turn up. But I'll tell you, if you had asked me then, how many people will Jesus bring? I wouldn't have a clue because I just had seven. So my son, he's gone back to Auckland and he's planning a church now, my second son. Just he had his first service today. And yeah, and he rang me up a few weeks ago and he said, hey dad, I've got greater growth than you. I said, oh, well, what was that? He said, you know how we started your church with seven? He said, I've already got nine. He said, that's incredible growth. See, faith believes in the promise of God. Faith acts as though the Word of God is now current in my faith. See, to a, to a carnal person and a natural person, that's foolishness. Well, how come you're believing it hasn't happened yet? Well, see, faith doesn't care about whether it's happened right now, physically. Faith takes the promise of God with the anticipated supply. Gradually, our church grew and it took us 30 years. And when I handed the church over seven years ago, church of 2,000, huge campus on five acres, 
planting churches everywhere, seeing people saved every week. I mean, I pinch myself. Is this for real? Well, of course it is because it's faith in the promise of God that God asked me to do it and I just went out and did it. And when you step out like that, God will take care of the rest. That's how he works. Oh, it's so good. See, let me me just say something. A spiritual person can't claim what he already possesses. Let, Let me say it again. A spiritual person cannot claim what they already possess. I hear Christians all the time, they say, oh, pastor, will you pray for me? Sure, what do you want prayer? I need more faith. I say, well, no, that's impossible. I can't give you more faith. God will not give you more faith. You can only grow what you've got. Oh oh, man, this is great preach. Tell you what, man, if you can get this, it'll revolutionise your life, friends. Don't stop trying to get more faith, get more grace, get more money. It's already been provided in Christ. Faith says I've already got it. You say, yeah, but it's not in your bank. No, but it will be. It's gonna turn up at the right time in the right way as God decides. But my job's not to do it and produce it. My job is to believe in God. And so I'm not moved by what I see and what I hear and what people are doing. I'm moved by the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit says. This is what a spiritual person lives like. Rather, we believe in the present continuous fact of the full, complete and sufficient work of Christ on the cross. That's where we believe and that's where we go because that's that's what it means to be spiritual. And so then we just think, speak and act according to the accomplished fact. Amazing, isn't it? The spiritual person does not rely on or live by his feelings or thoughts. His feelings and thoughts tell him nothing unless they agree with the Word of God. Sometimes I have feelings, like I feel to pray for someone. That agrees with the Bible. Sometimes I feel to be generous to somebody and go and bless them with some finance or a word of encouragement. I don't have to pray about it. I don't go, God, shall I do it? I get a feeling and if that feeling is consistent with the teaching of the Bible, I just go do it. I don't have to say, oh God, do I need to do good? Like my friend here, she's hungry. Lord, should I give her a meal? It already says in the Bible, if you see your brother or sister destitute in need of food, what good is it if you say, Sister, I'm praying for you. Be warmed and filled. She'll be going, oh, that's great. I'm freezing to death here and I'm hungry. He says, how then does the love of God live in a person like that? So James says, don't be hearers of the word only, but doers. That's what a spiritual person does. They just act out on faith on what the Bible says and what the Holy Spirit reveals. Let me finish this with this idea in the moments I've got left. Have you heard some of these statements around? It's just amazing. Um, Like, do what's in your heart. What about this one? You be you. (laughs) Well, if you try to be you be you, have a guess what you're gonna do. You're gonna be a carnal Christian. 
What about this one? A man's got to do what a man's got to do. No, he don't. He only does what the Bible says. If you want to be, if you want to be carnal or natural, you just do what you've got to do. But if you want to be spiritual, start doing what the Bible says. You'll find God will come on it and anoint you and bless you. The first question we should be asking every day, Lord, what would you have me do? If he says nothing, I just keep doing what he already told me. <laughs> I got a word 39 years ago to plant our church. He never spoke to me anything about it until seven years ago and he said, that's it, you're out. So for 30 years, my wife and up turned up every week and we built the church. Did we pray about it? Yes. Did the Spirit guide us? Yes, but I never got another word. I never put fleeces out. You know, Christians put fleeces, we put a fleece out. The spiritual people don't think like that. Spiritual people think of what God has already said and already revealed and steps out in faith. And as we move, God will adjust you. It's a totally different way of living. The last thing I wanna say this morning, there is just so much here. The spiritual person judges all things. Have you heard people say this? Judge not lest ye be judged. Have you heard people say that? I've heard Christians say it. I said to one Christian once, you know what? You're in sin, you need to repent. How dare you judge me? You're just judging me. Yeah, I am, it's my job. It's the most misquoted Scripture in the Bible. I'll tell you what, judge not lest you be judged. It's only the first line. He says, hypocrite, first go and judge yourself and remove the plank out of your eye. Then, say then. Then you'll be able to judge your brother. Oh, I love the Amplified Bible. Look what the Amplified Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 15, 16. But the spiritual man the spiritually mature Christian judges all things, brackets, questions, examines, and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals. <laughs> I judge everything, starting with myself. Everything. When I think a thought, I go, is that from God? Does that please God when I say something? No, so I apologise. Sometimes I forget my wife, and that's why I have a wife, she reminds you. Or a husband. But you see, in the Christian world, we have a whole lot of stuff. So a woman says, say, a wife says to the husband, oh honey, you're, you shouldn't be saying that. So you're usurping you're authority. The Bible says, touch not the Lord's anointed. It's just religious words to get people out of cross-examination. We've got to judge everything. I hope you're judging this message. I hope you're not going, oh, wow, he's from Brisbane. It must be correct. I hope you're judging it. I hope you're saying, is that right? Did the Bible say that? I'm going to look those Scriptures up when I get home and you'll go home and have a guess what you'll find. I am right. <laughs> he judges everything. The, spir the spiritual person is totally suspicious of anything worldly, natural or carnal. Why? Because they're not of God. They're gonna lead us down the wrong path. We need to be judging everything.
everything. But it's not a judgment that's negative. It's not a judgment to condemn. It's not a judgment to disqualify. It's a judgment to qualify. Paul put it this way in Corinthians. He said, judge everything and hold fast to that which is good. The reason we judge is not to go, you, you're out of here, man, I'm judging you. No, it's not like that. I can look at him and say, okay, he hasn't got it all together, but look what he did there, that was awesome. I'm, I'm gonna do that too, because that lines up with the Bible and what the Holy Spirit revealed. See, the spiritual person isn't perfect, they're just powerful. <laughs> Are you with me? You're not perfect, you're just powerful. You, you will make mistakes because we're still in the flesh. We're crucified with Christ, nevertheless we live. Yet the life I now live, I live by faith. We're living by faith. We, we may have weaknesses, we may do things that are wrong, but we can get right straight away because we judge ourselves. Let me finish with this verse. Paul said in Corinthians 11, if we would judge ourselves, we won't be judged. What a big subject. It is a judgment to identify and qualify what is righteous, what is good, what is virtuous, what is pleasing to God. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever things are noble, whatever is just or pure or lovely or pure, think on these things. That's what the spiritual person's trying to do. So you might be saying to me this morning, well, how do I get spiritual? There's only one way. You must be born again. We must have a supernatural encounter with the Spirit of God to transform us. And as according to Romans 6, we need to die to our old life and be raised to live a life of faith in Christ. Some of you here today, you've never done that. You may have been to church all your life. You might've been brought up in the church. But let me say this to you. Just because you're born in a, a garage, that doesn't make you a motor car. You, you, you are born who you are by your heritage or who your parents are. That's why God said, you have to be born again. The Word of God has to come. The Spirit of God has to come and live in us. Some of you already have done that, but you've slipped back into Romans 7. And the good you wanna do, you're not doing. And the bad you don't wanna do, you keep doing it. And you're just saying, I'm powerless. What's the answer? We've all gotta go back to chapter six and die, be buried and be raised by the Spirit of God and jump into chapter eight and walk in Romans chapter eight. And maybe you're not sure. I'm gonna close the meeting and hand back to Pastor Cody. Why don't we all bow our heads and close our eyes in the presence of God? I'm gonna ask this question to you. If you've never said yes to Jesus for the first time in a minute, why don't you say yes right now? Or maybe you've slipped back. Maybe you have got confused. You've got out of alignment with God. Why don't you come back today and say, yes, Jesus, I'm gonna put you first in my life. Or maybe you're not sure. If that's you this morning, raise up your hand right where you are. Just say, that's me. Include me in your prayer, Pastor. Thank you. Up the back, thank you, thank you, thank you. Over the side, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Way down the front. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Over here, I'm coming over to the side here. Thank you, young man, lady. Awesome. 
Anyone else? Just raise way up the back. Down here too, you coming? That's awesome. Fantastic. Anyone else over the side? Thank you, ma'am. I'm looking over to my right one more time. Just raise it up for the first time you're coming back or you're getting right with God. Look at that, a young boy put his hand up. That's awesome. Anyone else? I'm looking. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Coming back? It's the only way to travel. You too, sir. As a couple. Awesome. Through the centre of, oh, look at those young people down the back. Brave young people. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Another couple. Anyone else? I'm just looking one more time. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Way up the back there, sir. Yes, young lady. Way down the front here. Over to the side. Thank you. God's not interested in making you and me a better you. Christianity isn't a self-improvement program. It's the end of your old life and the beginning of the new. Let's all stand. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and hand back to pastor. Let's all pray. If you raised your hand, all those people that raised their hands, there'd be over 20 of you, easy. And couples and some young kids too, awesome young people. Put your hand on your heart and raise your hand out to the Lord. Let's all pray this out, Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, thank You for dying for me on the cross. Thank You for taking away my sin. Right now, I give You my sin. I give You my problems. And I open the door of my life and I invite You to come in. Send the Holy Spirit. Fill me with Your power that I will live with you for You. I turn from sin and everything that disappoints and displeases you. And I promise to follow you all the days of my life in the fellowship of your church. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap offering. Isn't He awesome? Thank you, Pastor. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.